for Facebook to push this out, then I'll start pretty quick. Okay. Hi, Linda. Good morning. Glad you're here with us. more coming on. Hi Karen. Linda Ho, how are you? Rita, hope your back is feeling better. Been praying over you. All right, we'll start. So welcome to our Facebook live video from in our home, mine and Donna's home. And we are always uh, uh, excited about being here. Hi Sharon on Sunday mornings to share the word, to share what Father's showing me, so we welcome you here. Also, those who will be watching later on on YouTube. <clears throat> Yesterday, I updated my YouTube and up, uh, loaded up, I think, six more videos to YouTube. So, hi, Erica. You're new with us. Good to see you. So, we're going to continue our teaching on the unveiling of the revelation that uh, Jesus revealed the Apostle Paul. And what I mean by unveiling, that there was a religious covering put over uh, what Paul taught as well as what Jesus taught. <clears throat> so we're with, the, with listening to the voice of our Father. I'm uh, unveiling that that uh, covering, I guess you would call it, that causes us to really not understand the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hi, Patty. It's good to see you with us today. So uh, today I want to talk about the law of life. I looked at the word law several years ago. <clears throat> I may mention it again later on. But the word law actually means a prescription, and it's a prescription of life. And so I want to start this particular chapter in the book that I'm writing. This will be from chapter 6. And we're going to glean more from what the Apostle Paul uh, wrote to the believers at Rome and also for us. And so we're going to start in Romans chapter 7, verse 5. Again, if you don't have my translation book, I encourage you to order it. It's not ex that expensive. You can order it at lulu.com. You can find the link on my Facebook page or message me and I will send you the link for it. But Romans 7.5 from my translation says, Previously we were offered those bloody dead animal sacrifices and money because we had thought that we had to please our Father. We did it because it was all required by the Mosaic Law. The hardship and pain of repeatedly offering those things showed forth in us by manufacturing more adversity, lack, and uh, <clears throat> poverty, because we did not truly really know our Father and who we really were or what we have. The fruit of those dead works produce perpetual lack, which is death in our lives. In other words, a sense of lack, and that is death. We became dead to living out of our holy breath. Verse 6, he said, Now, because of what Jesus revealed to us, we know our Father never inst uh, instigated the demanding systems of the law, nor did it have any authority over our lives. Knowing this truth, we can be free. We thought it was the truth, but it is not. We should now, with even greater passion than we had for the Mosaic Law, volunteer out of our spirit, out of our entire being, our life source within, to fully join our awareness toward Father and His love. We should no longer view our Father from the skewed, wrongly perceived writings of old. Those views are seen through the murky understanding of the knowledge of good and bad, 
which brought an abundance of death. And again, death is no knowledge of God or living as though you're dead. <clears throat> Verse 7, what now? Shall we continue to speak of our uh, enforce, or excuse me, shall we continue to speak of or enforce any command of the Mosaic law? God forbid. The continual offering of bloody animal sacrifices and giving our possessions to Father, who we mistakenly thought needed appeased, was a catalytic agent for our continual false sense of lack. I like to point that out a lot because the false sense of lack is what empowers religiosity in our lives to control us. When we think we lack and they have an answer, then we give them power of our life. So it caused us to believe we were in constant need when all along we had everything. If I hadn't sought to obey the law, which said I should not covet, I would not be living with a sense of needing more. I would not have known any sense of lack whatsoever. Verse 8, the starting point for death, which was produced in my life as a result of seeking the law for righteousness, was when I embraced the sacrificial system that came by the false authority of the Mosaic law. When I started following those hundreds and hundreds of due-to-be laws, it formed in me a longing for that which the law outlawed. That's why I use the example of ice cream all the time. The more I tell people you shouldn't eat ice cream, the more they want ice cream. And that's a proven fact. Mm -hmm. So for there is no due-to-be laws... It is with me. Ma'am? It is with me. It is with you too. For there is no due-to-be laws. There is no offering of anything to appease our loving Father. That wrongly believed need is dead. There was a need, there, there never was a need to appease Father. And that's what Jesus came to, to teach. But, you know, uh, the, the laws to be, the powers to be, hindered the people from hearing what Jesus was trying to teach. And also their sense of lack hindered him because all they wanted him to do was heal and bless him and do things for him. So my question is, is it possible for those who say they are free from the Mosaic law and uh, religious, uh, the religious traditions to still be bound in other laws of doing to be? Do many people continue to follow the traditions of Western evangelical Christianity and that of the other 4,300 religions, major religions around this planet? Can one think they are free and yet still be in bondage that comes from long-held religious beliefs? The reason I ask that is because I follow a lot of posts. I follow posts that Kay writes. I follow posts on Global Grace Seminary, on uh, many other people that I'm involved in their group. And they, a lot of those people follow what Kay teaches and what I teach, and they in a sense say amen. But then when I read another person saying something completely opposite to that, they still say amen. <clears throat> There's still a people who are longing for a rapture to take place. There's still a people that depend totally on them pleasing God so God will bless them. And they're still praying for God to help them. So if that's true of you and of me, <coughs> then in a sense we're still bondage and bondage to the Mosaic Law. We're still in bondage to some kind of law of trying to please Father. And we've got to get to this point where we realize that Father has always been pleased with us. We've always been one with Father. We've always been righteous with Father. And we already have everything that pertains to life for us. So, one of the Greek words translated law, again, is nomos, which implies a parceling out or a prescription, as I said any, uh, uh, earlier. 
So we could say any type of religion law is a prescription of a way or a method to obtain being right with Father. If you do this, you'll be right. If you say this prayer, you'll be saved. And the list goes on and on and on. We've all been under that bondage at one time or another. But already we know that that is a dead work because we were born upright. And, and the Bible plainly explains to us, if you really look below the surface of Scripture and the true translation, we never lost our uprightness with Father. We only had that sense of that. We were in, that Paul said, in our, in our minds or in our awareness, we were at enmity with Father, but we never were really at enmity with Father whatsoever. So we only thought that in our awareness. I mean, we were wrong. <clears throat> so one of many ancient writers wrote of Israel, in an old writing that I have, who were strangers in Egypt and said, they received the law of life and they kept them not. Father uh, taught them his ordinances. Father gave, the Bible says, the oracles of God were given to the, Pharisaical, the, the, the Pharisees and the, and the Sadducees. They were given to Moses and Aaron and all of them to protect people with those things. But they didn't believe them. They added to them. So we are believers, and we who are believers know Father created man from the earth. We know that Father endued us with a strength by ourselves. We don't have any other source but Father, and he endued us with strength and made us according to his image. And in the beginning, they received the use of their five, the five operations of Father, and I've talked about that many times where the Bible said they did not put their faith in the operation of God. Well, you know, some people can have their different ideas of what that is, but I believe it's touch, taste, sight, hearing, and smelling. One is the ability to influence the world with our senses. And the sixth operation is he imparted uh, mankind, uh, to mankind understanding. Understanding. He gave us understanding. And, this, uh, and then the seventh is, uh, is speech. He gave us speech. He gave us the ability to uh, bless the earth and speak blessings over the earth. And I talk about that a lot, where we should bless the earth constantly and not let out our mouth what we see that can be something that's bad. And then I found a place where it said he gave a speech and, and, and to be an interpreter of cognitation, C-O-G-I-T-A-T-I-O-N-S. And I looked that up and it means musings, thoughts, reflections, and meditations. I published a book for Steve, Steve Farrar. It starts out with musings. And what that is, it's, it's meditations, it's thoughts. And it's what we meditate on and what we think on is how Father, is what Father speaks to our thoughts. So with all, with every person ever born a woman, Father filled them with the knowledge of understanding because we know that we have the divine mind. The scripture says we have contact with the divine mind and we know all things. So he did that and then he put, he put his eyes in our awareness, the single eye, what we call the single eye. He put his eyes in our awareness and our understanding that he might show them the greatness of his work. So we do have a single eye, and we can see the way Father sees. And then he gave them the success of all the marvelous acts that Father did, which is in his creative process on this earth. And so what he wanted to do was to declare his works with understanding that we will tell the story forever and forever and forever. And that's what the word praise means, is to tell the story. So when I look at all creation, I see Father. I've trained myself to see Father. I don't want to see how people present themselves. I want to see Father in them. 
And besides this, he gave them knowledge and the law of life for a heritage. So we have the law of life. We may be living other, other laws, but those are not the law of life. The Apostle Paul wrote, we are raised in our spiritual awareness by putting our faith in the operation of our Father. And what is that? That's how Father formed us, created us, and made us to be. So from what was wrongly received by almost all people who ever walked on planet Earth, was is, was is a sense of separation from Father. This sense of separation produces self-condemnation. It produces a sense of nakedness, as we've seen in the, the story of the first race of man, Adam, and a, as in losing contact with Father, because that's what they thought they did. And so that caused people to never know that they have the law of life or heritage. You were born with a law of life. You don't have to earn it. You can't get it. <clears throat> you can't work for it. You have it already. <clears throat> so in the penal substitutionary atonement doctrine, the followers hear a great deal of teaching concerning the law of sin and death. I spent from 1996 to, or we did, me and my wife, till I'm guessing around 2002, 2003, studying under Gary Garner and John Cahill and Lynn Hiles and other ministers, and myself began to teach it. And we taught uh, what we call the six steps of the throne. We taught what we called Paul's system of truth, the Pauline revelation. And we talked a lot about the law of sin and death when it was only found in one verse. It's amazing how you can find something in one verse and it becomes a major part of your doctrine. But what's interesting there, and that verse is in Romans 8.2 and the King Jack 8.2, 8, 8 verse 2. So the King James Version records, For the law of the Spirit of life in Jesus, and was and us too, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Well, you can think about that. Some people think, so if you sin, you're going to die. And I've heard that many times. But what really is the law of sin and death? It's the Mosaic Law. It's any law of you trying to do something to please Father, or do something to become who you already are. And that produce, produces a death to knowing who you are. Just because you go out and do what the world calls sin doesn't mean you're going to die today. Doesn't mean you're going to die ever. It's it. Death is not a result of that. Death is a, a result of us not knowing who we are. Physical death. So Romans 8.2 then, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Romans 8.2, now, and I, I capitalize all those in my book because it's a now with an explanation mark, now, the intensified prescription of living out of our holy breath, and this is my translation of that, just as Jesus lived, has delivered us from all the prescriptions of the Mosaic Law. We are free from the drudgery of offering dead animals, bloody sacrifices, bloody sacrifices, seeds, fruits, gold, and silver, the Father for appeasement. Furthermore, we are free from bowing down to any idols of following traditions of carnally mindful man. And I added that last paragraph there because that's the truth is we have bowed down to all kinds of idols we bow down to messengers we should never bow down to messengers messengers are here to cause us to seek and know and ascertain and to love father so how important is this law how important is a prescription of holy breath of life in us it is vital to our life uh, without holy breath being active in you you will you will not experience true life and in a sense, you would be living in a state of death, which means you're not drawing from that life source that's inside of you. So what happens if you disregard the law of life? Well, 
when a disregard of the law of life, which is our holy breath, draws that vital force from the whole body. It draws it from away from that life center. The Bible talks about within inside of us. You know, we hear the scripture Christ in you, but that's contact with you and you. So if you disregard the law of life and you disregard who you are, then you're literally disregarding contact with Father. Even though you have contact, you're not living out of that. So this means you're, you're not drawing from your life source any more than you would be drawn from oxygen in your body. If you don't believe that your lung supplies and, and for some way or another you're, you stop your lung from function, uh, functioning, what's going to happen? You're going to die because it's not bringing that life-giving oxygen to every part of your body. So a disregard of the law draws that away from you. And uh, the Bible literally calls that condition a drought, a drought. A lot of people have experienced times of drought physically where the rains weren't coming to the earth, but also a lot of people experience a drought in their spirit. So in our own individual consciousness, we begin to realize our eternal redemption of our body when we begin to really uh, uh, overcome these thoughts that are opposite from the law of being. And so at the end of this teaching here today, I'm going to share some of the continued thoughts and beliefs that hinder the law of our being. And, you know, I, not too many, because I want to share more about the truth, but we know there are things, I'll just share it right now. There are things like I have to please Father God. There are things that I've done something wrong, so God's not blessing me. Uh, we, the list could go on and on. People are believing in a rapture. People, people are believing that Jesus coming back is their hope. The list could go on and on, and I won't major on that. But, I was looking in some different words and some different names, and there were there are two rivers called Euphrates and Tigris in the Bible, and that's and they're referred to as Hidekel, H-I-D-D-E-K-E-L, and they they rise in Armenia, which is supposed to be the land of Ararat in Bible history. So the Hidekel symbolizes the great nervous system in man. The Euphrates symbolizes the circulatory system of man. And the nervous system lies very close to the middle or the spiritual part. So the circulatory system is more in the region of the physical, if you would. Thus, the realm of which area is symbolized or symbolic is the source of both mental and physical man. And they picture the spiritually unawakened. And there are a lot of people today that are spiritually unawakened. They have the very spirit of God, the breath of God. They have contact with the mind of God but they're not awakened. And we know that's true because the Apostle Paul came along and said, awaken to righteousness. Several times he used the phrase, the word awaken. So this source of our holy breath, Father, <clears throat> is a savor of life unto us. Uh, our, our no life, even though the source is there, if we're not drawing from the source, then there is no experience of life whatsoever. So it's according to whether the laws of spirit are recognized or paid attention to, are unacknowledged in thought or act. And we want the spirit of life to be paid attention to in our every moment of our life, every day of our lives. So the problem with those who grew up in religiousity, as most of us did, is that we were taught to be wholly observant of the laws and traditions of men. And it was uh, it was literally forced into us. It was we heard it over and over, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And we were literally brainwashed with that. And so this law 
produces a, a selfishness, if you would, because you're always trying to do something for you. You're always trying to get something for you. <clears throat> so a liable to die minded man has no power. And that's what mortal means is liable to die. So if you see yourself as mere mortal, then you, you have power, but you, you, I should say, possesses no power. And so the law of life, which is the law of unselfishness, without a cause love, must be established in our consciousness. And that's when we want to live a life of unselfishness. We want to live a life of giving out of everything we have, and our goal in life is to bless people. And it affects our individual awareness, and it brings absolute peace. And again, I'm always reminded where Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. I have more peace from giving than I do receiving. Because if it's all about receiving, then what, I'm, what am I going to do? I'm going to try to keep what I have and not lose what I have because I think that's my source. <clears throat> Don and I, we don't have a lot of savings, but we try to save money, and we do. Donna does a real good job of putting money back for us. But it, if, if that was our source, we would panic a lot because it never fails. Something comes up, and right after we get an extra amount of money, we put it, put it aside, all of a sudden, something breaks down. Something happens. But we realize that's a never-ending supply. This morning, our heater didn't come on, you know, and it's still not coming on. And Donna said, oh, no, there's something else. But you know what? I'm not worried about it because we have the money that takes care of it, and it will be replaced. It always is. And so we don't want to live in that place where we're, our sources are supplied because then there is no peace. There are people today that if their heater went out, they would freak out, have a fit, they would cry, they would worry. But you know what? We don't live in that realm anymore. We live in the realm, a realm of peace and a realm of perfection. So what is needed is a real conversion to take place. Not some kind of conversion where you say a prayer to get be, be saved from an angry God because that does not exist. But to me, true conversion is when a person arrives at a certain exalted consciousness through the exercise of their thoughts and thinking about Father and thinking about his law of spirit and dwelling on that type of life and his law of life. Then he or she is lifted up above the thoughts of the world into the spiritual awareness understanding where no matter what's going on, you experience peace. So this is the beginning of entry into what I would say is a real kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, or perfection, and joy. That's a place where you can live your life out of that. And there is no worry. There is no doubt. Yes, we're concerned. We're concerned that things are going on. Things are happening to our family or children or whatever. But we're not fearful. And we know the answer. And the answer is that we keep tapping in to the truth and we declare the truth over the situations. So when, when mankind attain, attained this high place in consciousness, they experienced this true baptism of consciousness, this true baptism of awareness, that is every part of one's being is interpenetrated with spiritual essence. And they, they begin their constant contact with their divine mind where nothing but life flows, and that's it. So this, then the state of being convinced, we have to be convinced that this is our state of being, that we are who Father says. So this state of being convinced brings us divine assurance, and it comes when one is fully satisfied with, the, with the, the value of the living word. There have been people that are so distraught with what they were taught from the written word that the living word has come forth, and they really don't place any value in that at all. 
Uh, we say the people believe the lie for so long that when the truth comes, they reject the truth as though it's a lie. They put the truth in with the bathwater, if you or the baby. They pour the baby out with the bathwater. So uh, the opposite of the religious laws of doing to be would be the law of being. Does that make sense? Brother, Brother Hibbert always said, be who you be. Yeah. Dudley Moore said, quit, uh, quit following the laws of doing who you be. So the opposite of doing who you be is to be who you be. It's the law of being. What are you doing? I am just being. I'm being who I am. And so one cannot know what they be, which, uh, which following the, by following the edicts and the decrees and the laws and the customs and the traditions of religiousity. You just can't. And again, we really need to pay attention to how we respond to people's posts on Facebook, how we respond to what preachers say and teachers say. If it's not the truth, we need to quit saying amen. And we need to quit saying, we need Jesus to come back and fix this world because we are here. We're the ones that have dominion over the earth. So in scripture, we find phrases like two wells. We find phrases like double cisterns and double feasts. And they all symbolize the double standard of thought that mankind holds regarding one's life and one's substance. There are literally people that can sit under teachings like this and say, Amen, 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 and then they go back home and they end up right back into that double-minded, and they're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that comes after them. And so the customary belief of the crowd mentality leads to limitations, right? We feel like we're limited to a warped experience, while an understanding of the true law of life in our being increases the activity of the power of our holy breath in our life. So understanding <clears throat> makes one conscious of that activity. We understand the activity of the law of life. We understand, like, if my heater goes out, it's, it's going to be taken care of. I don't have to worry about it. And if I have to spend some of my savings, it will be replaced because my savings is not my source. There is an eternal supply coming to me always. I don't say that to make it happen. I say that because I know it happens. You know, I see people post all the time about how my life is great, and sometimes they're, they're trying to make a, po a positive affirmation to make it become great. Well, no, your life is great the day you were born. Your life was already blessed the day you were born. So, uh, understanding makes one conscious again of this activity. So, Jesus, who represents the growth or the full expression of one who stays in contact with Father, he laid down... Uh, love as the highest of all love uh, of all laws. So the law of life, the law of spirit and life or whatever is really infused with love because you have to love people without a cause to live out of that law, to live that kind of life. And you've got to realize the love of Father. That Father would never cause you to lack anything. Father would never bring anything into your life to cause you to learn anything. I was doing some research today, and one of the ladies I found talking, I write, I write on the internet, she said she embraces uh, hardship, and she embraces uh, uh, lack, and she embraces all this stuff because it's a way of learning. Well, that's not the way Father wants us to learn. Father wants us to learn the truth because the truth that will make you free. So, <clears throat> if I love, then he emphasizes this fulfillment of the law of love as the love of man for Father, and as a love of uh, the love of man for his neighbor. So we must love Father, we must love our neighbor. And it's, that's not a law, it's a principle. So if you're unwilling to think right, 
and do right according to who you really are, then harmony and love will be far away from your experience. But if you follow the law of life, both will be nearer than your breath. It'll be your daily experience constantly. There will be a harmony. There will be an experience of love and a feeling of love. And I, I don't know if anybody can explain how, it, explain how it feels to be loved, but it's awesome to be loved. So this infinite law of life then can be called into activity for functions in your life day to day. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great thing. Uh, when we live by our inner force, we allow it to move into action. You know, when you live out of anything, you allow it to move into action. If I live out of my finances, then I allow my finances to move into action, right? We take it, we spend it, we bless people. Whatever you use finances for, it's, it's active then. And the problem is there's some life inside of you that's just not active yet. And I just say, Father, help us in what we don't know to believe yet. Because I know that there's a dynamo of power inside of my life that can sustain every part of my being. And even in my heart can bring a recreative heart to me. Can, form, can cause that thickness to go down on its own. You know, and I want to believe that. So the true way to establish your life is by appealing directly to the divine law of life within you and make a withdrawal. We used to sing this song all the time. Remember, Donald spring up old well within my soul. That well is our divine life. That well is our divine mind. So the prescription of life is written on the awareness of mankind and drawn from by meditating on it and realizing spiritual ideas as the reality of my being. Everything that Father said man would be is literally the, uh, is the reality of my being. I am a God-man. I, I am a son of God. I am a father of God. I am the very image of God in this world today. So my ministry is to be uh, a spiritual physician, one who can correct others' awareness of who they are, who Father is. Jesus and Paul and many others were spiritual physicians to the people they served. Hey, Fairchild is. There are other ministers out there that are they're, they're there to help people. They're here, there to restore people to a, a life understanding, if you would. A, a spiritual physician often is called a, metaphys a metaphysical physician, and meta just means other than physical. We have lots of physical physicians. I am going to a physical physician to do surgery on my heart in January. And I believe Father to give them all kinds of knowledge and understanding until we can walk in who we are. But we need spiritual physicians. We don't need uh, spiritual physicians to give us laws and rules. We need spiritual physicians that can minister the law of life into our body. So a spiritual physician uh, is skilled in spiritual science of being. Uh, also, they can be a student or a teacher of the law of the holy breath of life. And since, since 2019, I've visited, I've visited uh, the Mayo Clinic four times, and my email is drroyerichman uh, at cox.net. And so I put that down on my document, and for some reason, when people entered my name into the database, they went ahead and put Dr. Roy Richman. So every time I go and I'm sitting there waiting to go see a doctor, they call Dr. Roy Richman. And so when that happens, it's so, so funny, people perk up. People look around and say, Where's, where's Dr. Roy Richmond? And it's not that they know me. I'd like to think that that's what it is. But there's some reason people, you know, they just are interested in a doctor. And so when I walk into the doctor's office, many times the doctor will say, well, what, what kind of practice are you in? And I always say I work, I work on people's brains. And that, boy, they just perk up and they, 
it gives them, they think, whoa. And they say, well, what do you do? And I say, I correct their awareness. And then I explain to them what I do. And without exception, every one of them have liked what I tell them because I've had several of them tell me, yes, they need to be corrected. Because you can imagine how people present themselves to doctors. And so <clears throat> we, we want to understand that we are physicians. We, we bring healing and we bring help to people's awareness. There are ministers that believe that they, they, their mandate is to heal people and to uh, cause all kinds of miracles. But a most holy place minister, in my opinion, is there to heal people's awareness. <clears throat> so we must know that all laws are doing to be were made void by what Jesus taught and Jesus' passion work. <clears throat> in Hebrews 2.14 <clears throat> and 1 John 3.8, they both speak of how what Jesus taught and did destroyed the power of death. And again, people want that to mean we're never going to die physically. Well, I don't teach that, but I also believe we're not supposed to. But that power of death with the Mosaic Law and the many traditions that were formed out of those many laws they made up, and also the works of the law. So the word destroy in both verses uh, is cardigeo and some other words, but it means to wreck, to break up, to rend to pieces, to melt away, to vanish away, and to bring to naught. So what Jesus taught and did was to completely do away with the law of Moses and its dead works. But what happened? Religiousity came in and lifted that right back up, they re the Bible, uh, translated the Bibles to, to enforce their penal substitutionary doctrine theory, and it brought dead works, and it produced death in everybody's life. And so, uh, in our three-volume book series, Mine and Case on No Penal Substitution, we wrote much concerning the need to question our theology. And I think it's so important, before you reply, Amen, or for you reply something that you've always replied because of your religious beliefs, you need to sit there and think, does this really fit with who my father is? Does this really fit with father's purpose in the world today? I saw one post again, somebody posted something, and almost everything on that post said, that's why we need the rapture, that's why we need the rapture, they're waiting on the rapture. Does that really fit with what father declared from the foundation of the world? Because he made this planet for us to live on. He blessed us. He blessed the planet. He caused this planet to supply everything that's required every day. So uh, I'm amazed how people still continue to do that. And the reason why is because their belief system is still laced with the penal substitutionary uh, atonement doctrine. And uh, we can be free from that because we are sons and daughters of Father. And we need to experience that. It's time for us to let go of everything that hinders and a good example of what the Apostle Paul said about that is he said, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. If you think there's going to be a rapture, then you don't know God. If you think that we're going to run out of everything, then you don't know God. If you think the planet's going to be destroyed because of what they call global warming, then you don't know your father. If you think that you're going to die and go to hell someday, you don't know your father. And if you think that of anybody else, you don't know your father. Those things exalt themselves against the knowledge of our father. And we're to bring that into captivity, that captivity, every thought to the hearing and the intelligence of what you hear, being in constant, in constant contact with father. If you will listen to father more than you listen to religiosity, you're going to be safe. But you have to practice doing that. 
you have to be calm and quiet. That means you can't come to Father based out of fear or worry about what's going to happen. You calm yourself down and you be quiet and you listen with intelligence to what Father says. And this is just me, but I believe the imagination that we need to cast down by hearing the truth is anything that we think we need to do. You really, you really think that there's something, you, know, you think that you can do something to please Father when He's already pleased with you, or to get more righteousness. So when we think we need to do something to be better, or to please Father, then we betray who we really are. And the same goes with what we project on other people. So we have the breath of life in us. There's nothing we need to do to obtain it. All we need is our awareness to come into alignment with our divine mind. That, that would be a divine alignment performed by hearing, receiving, and embracing the truth for ourselves and embracing the truth for others. So they who set themselves to stay in contact with the divine mind must, must have the power, the patience, the per, uh, preserva uh, perseverance, and the strength of their Holy Spirit. And how do they do that? They put it on. They put that on in their awareness of who they are. They must desire to seek, to know, to understand Father. Then they must learn to discriminate between the thoughts and the imagination, the desires of self and the true thoughts Father speaks to them. And understand, how is this Father speaking or is this religiosity speaking to me? So what we want is we want what we say to harmonize with our holy breath, to harmonize with the voice of Father. And so they must put father before self, if you would, before ego. So all this must be done before we can recognize our holy breath of father in ourselves. And you will see readily that the work cannot be done by human-minded self. And that's what's happened. People have come up with all kinds of rules and regulations and things we need to do, and it just doesn't work. It always fails. So... Let the same mind that was active in Jesus be in you. We have to let it happen. When we cast down all vain, imagine, uh, vain imagines that hinder us, we obtain power and we obtain dominion to free ourselves from that, from that which limits our understanding of the law of spirit in life. Because if you're thinking you need to do something to please God, you're never going to be able to go to the Word and mine out the truth. It won't happen because you're viewing through the wrong lenses you're you're viewing through the lens of, of penal substitutionary atonement and again i could write a long list of what hinders but i don't want to do that i'd rather write a list which i did of the law of life rather than what it is not so the law of the spirit of life is only the true law is the only true law would you agree it's the only true law and it liberates us from all that seeks to rule over us so here's one thing that's involved in the law of zoe life you are blessed because you're the perfect image of Father. You are blessed beyond imagination. Hey, Maxine Wilson, it's so good to see you on here with us. We love you. Within you is the seed of Father to replete eternal life. That's a law. There is a seed of Father that will replete eternal life in you. you that means it stays. It never wanes. It's always there. You are fruitful. You bear good fruit. You are the bread of life for all you come into contact with. Father has placed a, a meal inside of you that can be fed on by all people that will come. Father is always in you. Father is always with you. 
and you are altogether beautiful. The law of life contains the law of oneness. Everything is connected to everything, and everyone is connected to everyone. Just like Maxine uh, Wilson, I've, I've, I've loved her for many, many years, and I've always heard call her and talk to her, and we visited. She's up in Colorado now where I can't go see her, but I still think about her constantly, and I'm connected to her. I think about all of you because we are one with each other. We're all brothers. We're sisters with a divine nature. And every thought, every belief, every word, every action of one affects every being that, that was, is, and will always be. We affect each other. We affect the earth. The law of life reveals there is divinity within each one of us, and we are of infinite worth to our Father. When the Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made, the word fearfully actually means reverentially. When Father made us, it was, a, it's a, it was a reverent thing that took place. It was a holy thing. So we must recognize that and have, have possessed the faith of Father's faith. We have possession of the faith of Father's faith. The, Father, the Apostle Paul said it this way in Romans 12, 5. He said, so we, manifesting as many, many members, are one body in and as spirit, and every member is the plural of the other, reduplicating our Creator Father in our body. So when I see you, I see me. You, when you see me, you should see you. Then there's another one. The law of life contains the law of vibration. Father created the universe so it vibrates, it moves and travels and, and circular patterns and motions. Nothing just stops. It all, all things are made of energy. The Bible said that in us, Father lives and moves and has his being. That's vibration. Our feelings, our emotions, our, our vision, our desires, our thoughts, our dreams, our words, our will attract and resonate the very energies of this similar frequency that's within Father and within us. For example, when you see through adversity and act in, in gratitude knowing you already have or what you desire, then it releases it to you because you're raising your vibrational frequency. So when I walked in there today and I told Donna the heater is not working, some people would see that as an adversity, but I just thought, well, it's just something that needs to be maintained. Everything that man makes needs to be maintained. And so literally, I, I believe that somebody's going to come and they're going to fix it. They're not going to charge me too much and everything's just going to be fine because we don't, we're not fearing. We see through adversity and we depend on the vibrations of life. The scripture also often speaks about rejoicing in our sufferings because joy attracts joy as much as misery loves company. Does that make that good? <laughs> uh, so no matter what comes your way, and I didn't know about this heater before I wrote this down, but I think it's a good example here. So no, no matter what comes your way, understand that the joy of the Lord will releases your eternal strength. Now I'm not saying rejoice that you might be suffering, but rejoice because you know the truth. No matter what's going on in the world today, know the truth. And that's Philippians 4.4. 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. What does always include? That means everything. No matter what's going on in your life, you can rejoice. The word rejoice, rejoice comes from the Greek word, C-H-A-R-I-O. And it means to be cheerful, to calmly happy, or well off, be well in all situations of life. Isn't that good? Doesn't that help us with what well, you're going Jesus said to be content. <clears throat> be content. And, and 
I don't know what the word, the word was, but they, whether you have a lot or whether you don't. Well, you know, Paul said content. he was abased when he was abound or when he uh -huh. was not. Based, Same yeah. thing as content. But when there's things going on around us, your children aren't doing good, somebody's sick or whatever, you're facing surgery like I'm facing, you, I just I rejoice in the Lord because I know it's going to be okay, and I know that I'm going to come out on the other side, and that life that I haven't been able to experience for the, since 2012, I believe it's coming back to me. And my, I've got too much to do and a lot of books to write and a lot of teachings to do, and I need energy to do that. So I'm making a withdrawal on that. Yes. Then there is the law of life. The law of life contains the law of action. The law of life contains the law of action. The difference between who you think you are and who you want to be is what you do. When you engage in inspired actions that support your faith and belief, that's what we have to do. The actions. Well, what are the actions? That's live out of who you are right now. Know who you are right now. This does not mean you need to struggle, but you, you do put in attention and effort to realize your intentions. Work is not a curse, right? No. It's an eternal principle that was designed literally to teach us, to understand this, uh, 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 and to challenge us and to help us grow. The Apostle Paul told Timothy, uh, Timothy, a workman, in other words, a workman in the Word, a laborer in the Word, needeth need not be made ashamed if he'll study to show himself that he's approved to God. So that's what my work is, is. I labor in the Word, and it challenges me, and it helps me grow. So we must occupy ourselves in the truth that does cause us to experience our eternal freedom and life. Next, the law of life contains the law of contact. As the years have gone by, I realized in my studies and listening to Father, that the word Christ actually means contact. If you want to use it the way that people do, that's fine. But it sounds much better, contact in you is your hope of glory, contact with Father. So the law of contact with Father becomes more and more obvious to me. Everything, uh, everything that is above reflects below, and your outer world reflects the inner world. And so when I contact Father, everything that's in the above, the spiritual thoughts, and actually reflects or works in my whole being, and what's inside of me comes out and it affects my whole world. So if you're inwardly in contact with the divine mind, then what is on the outside will reflect that contact. What you say will reflect that contact. Our source father will be seen and experienced in your day-to-day -day life. So universal and spiritual principles have a corresponding principle in this physical plane. Everything that is temporal symbolizes a higher spiritual eternal law of permanence. Everything that we can see that people can do that causes temporal if we our, our source could cause it to be permanent. If I'm going to a doctor, they're going to do an unbelievable surgery on my heart. They're going to go inside and carve all the extra thickness out of it and, and <clears throat> restore. But the truth is, once I receive the permanent and understand the permanent, I'll never have to go back to a doctor again. Once I understand that all my true supply is permanent and I lack nothing, I'll never have to go for a loan again. The list can go on and on and on. So you live, if you would, out of the dominion you have, and you live from the inside out, not the outside in. So then, the law of life contains the law of compensation. There's so much teaching on giving the gift, right? Pay your tithe, and it'll come back to you tenfold or a hundredfold, and all I ever saw it do is go to the pastor or the church or the pay the bills. I believe we should pay our bills. I believe we should support ministers that feed us, but I don't believe we do it to get back. It's just a law of giving. So the law of compensation teaches that we should expect 
that we have everything required for physical and spiritual life. I expect whatever is required for tomorrow, it will just be there. I expect if that uh, heater bill costs me $1,000, I expect that $1,000 will show up eventually to replenish that, and I don't have to worry about it. And we've proven that in our life, have we not, Donna? Mm -hmm. Every day. Every day. So, for example, when you are the source of love, the Father is the source, but the source is in me, right? If I am one with Father, then I become the source too. But as Father is the supreme source that supplies this source that flows out to other people. So when, when, you, when you are the source of love, the source of joy, the source of peace, the source of trust, the source uh, and abundant generosity, you will also be the recipient of those, be those because they flow through you. Uh, Vicki Russ said years ago when he was talking, she was, uh, I was teaching on giving, and she said, uh, <clears throat> she said, what God can get through you, he can get to you. And so many people want God to give them something, but what they need to do is they already have it, and the, 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 the way to experience it is to let it flow. And as you let it flow, it repletes. It's just always there. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's not wrong to receive, but clearly it is much better to give cheerfully because that's the only way to receive is by giving. You give out of what you have. So in turn, to expand our capacity to give more and more and more, it just gets greater and greater and greater. We must also let go of our attachment to how the blessing is coming back because too many people... They say, I paid my tithe all my life, and I expect to, I expect to get. It's all based on what they did, right? Mm -hmm. And so in Romans 4.4, 4, Paul says it this way. If a person believes they must toil for that which already belongs to them, it means they are not aware of their true supply. They are not aware of their spirit life that's already providing every requirement they have for spiritual and physical life. It means they believe Father owes them something in return for something they have earned by toiling and laboring. That's powerful. I'm thinking of a baby. When a baby's born, do they think about needing anything? They don't. They don't think they, about needing a home. They don't think about needing a mom and daddy. They don't think it's, it's all there for them. And if the parents are good parents, then they take care of that child, mm -hmm. right? So we, the Bible says we must come to Father as a child. Uh, to me, if I came to Father as a child, that means I would unlearn all the garbage that made me think that I had to do something. Mm. Right? So next, the law of life contains the law of perpetual transmutation. Transmutation. T-R-A-N-S-M-U-T-A-T-I-O-N. Hi, Margaret Wilson. The word transmutation in the dictionary means the action of changing or the state of being changed into another form. Well, I don't necessarily believe that we're being changed into another form. Uh, in this instance, it is one's awareness being changed to allow themselves to see themselves as who Father created them to be. I'm not trying to be transformed into another person. I'm already in that person. What needs to be transformed is my awareness, and that's why the Apostle Paul said, to be transformed by the renewing mind. Not the renewing of the mind, but to be transformed by the renewing mind. And that's our divine mind. So we're changing our awareness. So, so uh, Father created us to be a certain way, and when we hear the truth, then what will happen is that we will, we will allow the truth to remove that old, worn-out veil of being less than who we think we are. A lot of people think they're less than who they want to be, if you would say. If you would say. 
So transmutation is a transformation and a conversion because energy is in constant motion. Energy is always moving. Paul says it this way in Romans 12.1. <clears throat> Excuse me. Get out of breath. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by Father's gracing us with holy breath from the foundation, that you present your bodies as the plural of Father, which is who you are. Boy, I wish I'd learned that a long time ago. Mm -hmm. I would have quit coming to church and saying, I'm a sinner, I'm an alcoholic, I'm, a, I'm an ice cream-aholic, or I'm this or I'm that. I would present myself as who I am. But if you don't do that in your awareness, then you present yourself the opposite of that to the world. Verse 2, Therefore, never conform to and live as those who live as mere humans, but be transfigured by tuning into your renewing divine mind. Like a radio, tune in. Quit listening to those other channels of religiosity and tune into the divine mind, which is your holy breath, that you might be accounted as where in your awareness and discern your being blameless where in your awareness. Realize that you're well-pleasing and you're complete as purposed by your Father from the foundation of the world. So as daughters and sons of Father, we can harness this creative power within us to change our lives, to change what goes in our life, but, but not without aligning uh, on this true law, this law of life. We have to align with that. I call it a, a divine alignment taking place. And what happens then is we forsake this self-importance of believing our case is unique and our situation is special and you don't know what I'm going through. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. I don't have to know what you're going through. I've, I, we all are, have gone through things. But the law of perpetual transmutation uh, of energy also states that the higher vibrational energies consume the lower ones. So whatever you're going through, if you'll tap into the divine mind, that energy that comes out of that will consume that. And what does it do? It makes it void. And it releases great energy to us. And what's the greatest lower energy? It's living out of that great life of separateness. And it's a low energy. And it causes a lot of problems in people's lives. <clears throat> the law of life also contains the law of perpetual relatedness. Perpetual relatedness. Romans 8, 28 and 29. <clears throat> Implore the saints to passionately seek after, ascertain, and desire to know the one and only true Father, our Father Creator. Is that not relatedness? To do that? You re re relate with Father? Romans 8, 28, baby. The whole of His Word will work out Father's good purpose in them, according to what Jesus spoke during His earth walk, and revealed in the remainder of his incarnational events. Verse 29, Our Father knew the man at the beginning, in him, from the foundation of the world. Father decreed, declared, and determined that mankind is his plural, or his image. All mankind always has and continues to exist eternally in contact and in oneness with Father, age after age, eternally, world without end. So that's relatedness. You've got to understand your oneness with Father. You have to relate with Father. I relate with my wife. I relate with my children. I relate with my cousins and my grandparents. But more than that, I relate with you because we are true brothers and sisters. And then the next is the law of life contains the law of perpetual rhythm. Perpetual rhythm. The rhythm of the law of life is unforced.
Uh, I wrote a book titled The Unforced Rhythms of Life. It's probably the number one book that's sold of all my books. If you haven't read it, you should. It's really good. But all energy vibrates and moves according to a certain rhythm. Everything has natural cycles. Everything has seasons. Everything has patterns. Everything has stages of development. You can look at the, I don't know if you've ever looked at the pictures of snowflakes, but they have unbelievable patterns and they all have the same pattern. Not and so, huh? They have different patterns, don't they? No, well, they're, they're, but they're the way they're shaped and everything. So, uh, all energy vibrates and moves according to this, and each cycle is a reflection of the re uh, regularity of God's universe. When God put things in order, it stayed. Nothing has came out, come out of orbit. Every planet is exactly where it was placed, and we know that if the earth moved one degree closer to the sun, it would burn up, or one degree away, it would freeze. But Father put it in the exact place, and it stays in that place. So each cycle is a reflection of God's universe, and to master each rhythm, you must rise above any negative part of the cycle and stay in, uh, uh, stay in uh, flow throughout these rhythms of life, and they're unforced. Because God's the one that created them. Just like a heartbeat. God put that heartbeat in there. And it's supposed to beat exactly the way Father created it to be. And mankind is the only ones. And we affected the animals that moved out of the original state. Mankind is the only uh, creation that has removed themselves from the, rhythm, from the rhythm of life. And that's why we must get ourselves back into that rhythm. Our rhythm of life remains constant no matter what else might be going on. It remains constant. Uh, I, I'll never forget the last week of September, I had an AFib event and my heart moved out of its rhythm and uh, it shot up to like 140 beats a minute. And I, I thought I was getting ready to have a heart attack. But something they did to me is they shocked it back into rhythm. Well, to me, hearing the truth of the word of God, there's this quickening, there's this shockening, this there is this twinkle of an eye that can get you back into that rhythm where you belong to, that belong to uh, in your life. So it, it is something that's constant. It's not subjective to the opinions or the beliefs of mankind. No matter how changeable, it's it's un it's unchangeable, and it's a rhythm of life that's in there. And we want to tune we want to tune into that. It's there, but we need to awaken to it. So it responds only to its own intelligent order. It, in addition. Wherever it is allowed to effortlessly flow, then there's life, there's beauty, there's perfection, there's goodness, and the absolute order will prevail. And so how do we allow that? Is we meditate on the living word, we, let, we meditate on the word of truth, we agree with Father. We, the Bible says without faith in Father's faith, it's impossible to agree with Father. So if you're putting your faith in your faith, it, that's no good. You know, I've had some people say things to me, and I, I think it just came out of that that uh, religion that, that puts everything based on your faith. But my faith is in my Father. And so the realization of this life does bring experience, but whether we ever realize it, uh, its presence or not, we are still its most glorious vessel. We're the most glorious vessel of this rhythm of life, whether we believe it or not. So um, in closing, we realize the Spirit as we look out upon the stars of our galaxy, we see the order of the planets, we see the orbits, how they effortlessly travel through outer space. We see the seasons that come and go, uh, revealing to us the necessity for periods of time, times of lying dormant, if you would, 
To me, that means times of being still and quiet and listening. Uh, we could call that winter, to withdraw in quietness and stillness, to replenish our thoughts, to, to clear our thoughts, and uh, the foolishness and the clamor and the consciousness that came from humankind, and begin to understand this newness of life which comes when it's springtime. You know, it emerges from this time of reflection. So these are the ways that Father God's infinite intelligence that I've been reading to you. Father speaks to our thoughts. Father imparts wisdom and understanding to us uh, that eventually leads us to know who Father is and what our relationship is to Father, where we can relate to Father. Uh, you know, I, I pointed out last week, there comes a point when we know that we know, when we can say, thus saith the Lord in me. You know, people used to prophesy all the time and say, thus saith the Lord. But I'm saying, thus saith the, the Lord in me. The thoughts that come through me, this is what I'm repeat, uh, repeating to you. So each creature follows certain patterns of activity depending on their species. Well, what unseen force and definite influence directs, maintains, sustains, it, that, that all this, what, what does that? It's Father. It's the very source of Father. Psalms 145.15 states, He opens His hands and satisfies the desire of every living creature. Mm. What is your desire? It's to live, right? It's to enjoy life. I hope it's not to have more money, you know, or to get a new house or whatever. It's to live. And Father satisfies that when, you, when, you, when you're uh, desiring the correct thing. And so there's a rhythm of life that forms everything that is visible. It fills all things. It determines the existence of all. It directs the activity of all. It's the life and breath of all that's formed. It is also referred to as the spirit of life of all things. It is the law of the spirit of life. That's what it is. It's our chi. The word chi means uh, life force. It means essence. It means inner self. It means breath. It means spirit. So it is our Holy Spirit. So these universal laws, this law of life, and when I say universal, that means it's for everybody. It's not just for Christians. It's not just for people that gave enough time. It's not just for people who God looks at and says, these are my special people. It's for all people. And they are included, are included in the law of the spirit of life. They help us understand the greatness of our Father, as well as His loving and merciful ways. Because if you think about it, this magnificent order allows us predictability, and it helps to prevent chaos in our life. It stops us from fearing when things are in front of us that don't seem to reflect the truth. And what I mean by merciful, Father, that mercy is not what we think it is. People think God's mercy is because He's not going to punish us because we deserve it. That's not what it is. Father's mercy is what He did at the very foundation of the world. He created us in His image. So, we are empowered to create our own reality by design. We do not create what Father didn't create, but we can create our, only re our own reality by design and not by default. So because everything that Father put in place in this uh, universe works with you, for you, to be who you were created to be, and the answer to it is it's your choice. You've got to come to the end of the life that you were living. There's a psychologist, I think, by, by the name of Dr. Phil. He says, if you're doing something, you must be getting something out of it. Right? If you're doing something that's hurting you or whatever, you must be getting something out of it or you wouldn't be doing that. So I say, let's do what Father's instructed us to do, and let's seek the law of spirit and life, and that belongs to us today. So 
I hope this blessed you. I know I went a little fast. I had 17 pages and I wanted to get it all done. So uh, Mary Hal, good to see you here. We thank all of you for being with us. Thank you for your, your uh, comments that you do on Facebook. Thank you for sharing the video with your friends on your Facebook. And we thank you for your uh, offerings of support that come in. Again, if you would like a transcript of this and all my teachings, uh, if you just make a monthly contribution on PayPal, uh, at least $10 a month, every Sunday I will send you a transcript of what I've taught. So be praying for me for strength. Uh, I'm, I'm a lot out of breath and kind of weak, but I, I, I can continue on and I cherish your prayers and speak over me for strength and that I can get a good breath and that I don't have these weird palpitations anymore. Also, uh, again, I released my, this is the fourth book on the spiritual code and symbology of the living word, and it's the unveiling of Paul's system truth, what I've taught in the past, and I'm writing the second one now, and then Donna also wants me to show you this. Uh, we released Dr. K. Fairchild's book, Contemplative Realities of the Mind-Brain Connection. I didn't realize the title of that poem wasn't showing up very well, so I redid it. So it has a, a nicer, viewable title with her name on the bottom, and also the back can be read a little bit better. Uh, if you didn't really pay attention to the book, it's the mind-brain. When you open it up, there's the right side, left side, and Kay picked that out. So if you haven't ordered that book, make sure and go to Kay Fairchild's page or her Lulu account and get that. So thank you, Donna. Come around here and let everybody see you. <laughs> she won't do that. So bless you all. We love you. Thank you. Hi, Joanne. Hi, Tina. Thanks for being here. Have a great day. Bye-bye.